You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. BC is bracing for a heat wave this week with temperatures set to skyrocket. A special weather statement has been issued for a large part of this province. Many areas expecting to see records smashed. Our John Hua joins us live from Kids Speech with more on this and the warnings and potential health impacts. John. Yeah, as you can see, there are already plenty of people here at Kits really just trying to beat the heat. They can soak in the sun, but they also get this nice breeze. But people know the minute you head away from the water, it's going to get uncomfortable over the next two or three days. They call it the mouth of hell. Having to work with temperatures of 950 degrees Celsius, artists at Terminal City Glass know a thing or two about beating the heat. Spritzing myself with the water helps and drinking a lot of water. Working with glass often means four-hour stints without a break. But this week's weather is expected to make things outside the hot shop just as unbearable. And when people are working in teams, that really increases their ability to just take a moment to stay hydrated. But I think what I'm just going to have to do is ramp up my nagging about drinking water. A special weather statement for the south coast, including Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, predicting heat records will be broken throughout the week also prompting health warnings. Everyone is at risk of heat-related illness given enough exposure, but some individuals and some populations are at greater risk, such as young people and seniors. Among the most vulnerable are people's pets. A Coquitlam vet even releasing this image of a dog that died after being left in a car. We would never think of, you know, putting our pets in the oven and turning up a temperature, but it's exactly what you're doing when you leave a pet in a hot car. Still, the BCSPCA received 23 similar calls over the weekend. And that's three times the number that we responded to the same weekend last year. Those in the business of cooling down homes having a hard time keeping up. We found in the last few weeks especially there's been a larger amount of customers calling looking to get air conditioning put in, serviced, maintained. Back in the hot shop, these artists don't need to make a crystal ball to know how uncomfortable it's about to get. It's going to be awful. It's going to be pretty unbearable, but at least it probably won't last that long. Now, for those people who are hoping to keep their homes cool by leaving a window or door open to keep that increased airflow, the Vancouver police are warning of opportunistic thieves that might see that as an opening. They're saying, please, secure when your windows and doors as much as you can, even when you're home. Sophie? Good advice. All right. Thank you, John. Meantime, if you think it's hot on the lower mainland, think about what it's like fighting fires in the caribou. Temperatures will push 40 degrees in the central and southern interior this week, further raising concerns about a wildfire season that is nowhere close to being finished. Aaron MacArthur reports. You can hear the danger. In the Kamloops area, the grass is so dry, it seems like anything could set off another fire. Over the weekend, likely a discarded cigarette did just that. Probably around 15 people out here trying to help, and it, it almost got carried away. The numbers are astounding. 4,200 square kilometers blackened across BC. And crews brought in from all over the world to tackle what is already the third worst fire season on record. What is concerning is that fire season is half over. It could likely last into September. 
We've got a, a pretty high level of concern for the next few days. Uh, potentially some record-breaking temperatures in southern BC, coastal BC. Uh, we're coming off what has already been an exceptionally dry month already, and no rain in sight. BC is burning through money trying to keep these fires under control. $178.5 million since the start of April. It works out to a million and a half dollars every day for the last four months. Now we have Australians here, Albertans, people from Saskatchewan. Those costs start to pile up. We have, you've seen large communities camped just outside of this facility. You have to feed those people. With crews already stretched so thin, forestry experts say British Columbia needs a new approach to fighting fires. Otherwise, available resources won't be able to keep pace. The way we interface with forest fires is through fuel management. So if we manage forests for fuels, that's going to be probably far more effective than throwing more money and more effort at firefighting. This week, the temperature could hit 40 degrees in places. Everyone is on high alert. The danger of another major fire sparking this week is all too real. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Don't want to see any more of that. Meteorologist Yvonne Schell is here with a closer look at the week and how hot it's going to get for us. Yvonne. Absolutely. Things are ramping up because we are going to see this massive ridge of high pressure build in across the southern half of the province. The areas that are in orange, that's where we do have a special weather statement in effect. Inland sections of the island stretching all the way in towards Whistler and the Fraser Valley. Pemberton included within that are going to see temperatures peaking anywhere into the mid and upper 30s. We'll likely see them hottest on Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, more on that. We're also seeing it outflow winds. The potential is there for the uh, special air quality advisory that is in effect cr- across Metro Vancouver. I'll have more on that coming up very shortly. Guys? All right, we'll check in then. Thanks, Yvonne. And Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is getting his first look at the wildfire crisis in our province, visiting Williams Lake and taking in an aerial tour of the damage in surrounding communities. Nadia Stewart is live in Williams Lake tonight. Nadia, what kind of help was Trudeau promising today? Well, he was offering help for the long term. Now, I did ask for some more specifics on what that would look like, but we didn't get those details today. Eyes in the sky, the only way to get a sense of just how serious the wildfire situation is in central B.C. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau touring the devastation and praising the dedication of firefighters. Uh, you know, fires stopped just short of a runway uh, of uh, ranch uh, ranches uh, surrounded by blackened areas that uh, still standing because of uh, uh, the efforts of, uh, of our firefighting crews. This is Trudeau's first look on day 26 of the wildfire crisis. Some critical of his decision to stay away. But to many in Williams Lake, he came at just the right time. It's the symbolism uh, and the, um, the fact that he's taking the time to come here. That means a lot to us. I got to shake his hand as he walked out of the rec centre parking lot. What was that like? It was just awesome. Took my breath away. People here only returning home a few days ago. The largest B.C. town fire has forced out. Their homecoming made smoother with the help of hundreds of military personnel. And those at the fire centre who've been working to coordinate the firefight on the ground. All of them receiving a personal thank you from Trudeau. But beyond the handshakes and photo ops, there are questions. While the federal government has made a donation to the Red Cross, they did not offer to match donations, as was the case for Fort McMurray. We've uh, announced uh, $27 million so far, but that could uh, rise depending on the needs uh, up to $50 million. Beyond immediate help for evacuees, this wildfire season has hit small businesses and local economies hard, leaving many to wonder what help they and 
and the province can expect down the road. There was a promise to help, but there were no specifics. We will be there for the rebuild. Uh, we will be there for, for, uh, for the, uh, the, the challenges to come. So a lot of residents obviously happy to see Justin Trudeau there today. But those fires are still burning in that community or around that community, I should say, Nadia. So what's the mood like for the folks there? Yeah, you know, Sophie, everyone I spoke with today said that they are happy to be home, but they acknowledge that there are challenges. Uh, they talk about the smoke today. Or actually, right now, it's not so bad because of the winds, but they tell me that it had been bad uh, in days past. Another challenge, I spoke with a woman who is selling her home, but the buyer is not able to get home insurance. So she is stuck in limbo with this house sale. So definitely challenges that these folks will be facing over the next several weeks, possibly months. Mm -hmm. Back to you. All right, Nadia Stewart in Williams Lake. Thank you. And watch the morning news tomorrow. The prime minister will be on live with us to talk about the wildfires and the difference of opinion between Ottawa and B.C. when it comes to big resource projects like the Kinder Morgan Pipeline. One more fire note for you tonight. Kelowna RCMP confirming a grass fire that broke out on Knox Mountain over the weekend was arson. Now, thankfully, crews made quick work of the flames containing the fire to about one hectare. No structures were lost. RCMP are now reviewing media footage as part of their investigation. Surrey RCMP have a warning tonight after a recent uptick in shootings in that city. They've taken the unusual step of releasing the names and photographs of five men who they say are gang targets. And as Ted Chernecki explains, if you know any of these men, you are advised to keep your distance. Somebody wants all five of these young men dead. In an unusual move, the RCMP today is publicly identifying them as targets who for now are still alive. And they're revealing their names and faces in the interests of public safety. There are family members, there are associates, uh, there are friends of these individuals that may not fully appreciate the risk that they are in in associating with them. And we really need to reach those people. There's been a definite increase in drive-by shootings in Surrey this month. In six separate occasions, shots rang out. In one spree, three shootings in four nights. No arrests and no victims. But according to RCMP, while worrisome, overall shootings since the start of 2017 are actually down. Since the beginning of this year, we have had 27 files that involve shots being fired. While this is a 47% decrease over what we saw in the same period last year, it is still wholly unacceptable. The RCMP asked for and this year received its 100th new constable, a significant increase in the police force by any measure. So why the sudden increase in shootings in July? There is, um, I would call them ongoing tensions between rival criminal groups. Um, obviously, the drug trade itself uh, lends to violence. There's no... Uh, generally no peaceful means in which they choose to resolve their conflicts. And so I think uh, we're seeing an increase in violence over some disputes. All five of these men know they are targets and probably know who's targeting them, but all refuse to cooperate. So now it's the public be warned. Stay clear of these men. Ted Chernacki, Global News. New Westminster police are asking for help to find a missing teenager. This is 14-year-old Elon Walker. He was last seen at about 1.30 today near Ash Street in New West. Elon's described as 5 feet 7 inches tall with a slim build, light brown hair and brown eyes. He was last seen wearing a long-sleeved pink shirt, shorts, sneakers and carrying a black backpack. Police say they are concerned for Elon's safety. If you see Elon, you're asked to call 911. 
A warning to all dog owners tonight after a close call in Surrey's Tynehead Park over the weekend. A dog accidentally ingested drugs. His bizarre behavior later determined to be an overdose. And as Jeff Hastings explains, at least one vet says it's surprising how often it happens. A hot day for an old man with a thick coat. Brown is a 15-year-old Shepherd Cross. He's also recovering from a drug overdose. That's a good boy. He had marijuana and cocaine in his system, and we were completely stunned. Yes. Friday, Brown and his brother went with their family to Surrey's Tynehead Park, a place with a wonderful off-leash area, large and wooded, and popular for people with four-legged companions. Brown got into something. We believe it was just in the mud, and we thought it was nothing but a stick, so we just carried on. But later at home, it became obvious something was wrong. I called his name, tried to get his attention, nothing. And he was basically just spaced out, lay on the floor, almost comatose. The vet that treated Brand's accidental drug consumption knew what to look for. She's seen it several times, and lately, more often. Dogs are um, very attracted to the taste and the smell of marijuana. You know, at least monthly, we probably see something like this. It's frightening for dog lovers at Tynehead Park, a place Bran won't see again. It's pretty scary considering we just let our dogs run free. Oh yeah, she eats everything. Garbage, anything she can get her hands on. Good boy, Bran. Bran's owners are relieved he seems to be recovering and thankful their smaller dog didn't eat whatever it was. They don't think he would have survived. I can't even think of words to describe how, how angry I am because he's one of my best friends and we've nearly lost him through somebody's stupidity. That's it, buddy. Jeff Hastings, Global News. An albino boa on the loose. A Surrey snake enthusiast posts a picture of the one that got away. But before neighbors freak out, the experts weigh in on what probably happened to it in just over a minute. Well, that was quick. Donald Trump's new communications director is gone after only 10 days on the job. The explanation for why he was fired coming up. It is the 911 call that's hard to forget. Makes everyone a little uneasy. An Ohio woman who was attacked by her own boa constrictor. 911, what is the location of your emergency? Hello, Hello? I have a boa constrictor stuck to my, my face. Ma'am, you have a what? All right, stay on the line, please. I've never heard of this before. Sheffield Lake Fire for EMS. The please, Can you pry its jaw open? If you pinch no, its jaw, how big of a snake are we talking, ma'am? She's like five and a half feet. Yes, so just days after that call was released, a five-foot-long albino boa constrictor is missing in Surrey. Now, while experts say this snake will not bite your face, Jennifer Palma explains how it escaped and where it might be hiding. It's not your usual missing pet flyer. Snow, an albino boa constrictor, may be on the loose in a Surrey Fleetwood neighborhood. I just find it funny, you know, I find it scary at the same time. I've been looking out for it, but I haven't seen it yet. The owner wouldn't speak to us on camera, but he did talk to his neighbors after he discovered snow was missing on Thursday. The guys went house to house to ask him if we see that, if we see a snake, to call him. 
they left me a little phone number for them just in case that it does come around. The owner says the boa left its enclosure after it somehow became broken. He's concerned it might be in his neighborhood near Fleetwood Park along 160th Street and 80th Avenue in Surrey. He says the snake isn't in the house, but veterinarians say it might be. Their first thought is to find someplace safe to hole up. So things like underneath a couch, especially behind a fridge but they're not going to seek out a way to escape. But if it did make it out of the house, one of the main concerns is whether or not the boa will hurt humans or pets. It's not going to go after anything like a dog or a cat, and it's certainly not going to go anywhere near a human. There's also concern over Snow's welfare. This animal's been raised in captivity. It's never caught its own live food. It's been fed frozen rodents, and so it's not going to be able to find its own food or water sources. The city of Surrey confirms the owner called Animal Control reporting the missing snake. The city bylaw says you're allowed to have these types of snakes as long as it's under two meters. Snow is one and a half meters or five feet long. If you see the albina boa constrictor, don't touch it. Call Animal Control. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Pride Week is officially underway in Vancouver. The city kicking off the colorful festivities at Jim Diva Plaza in the heart of Davie Village today. The pride and transgender flags also raised at City Hall. Hundreds of thousands are expected to partake in the popular summer event, which culminates, of course, with the 39th annual Vancouver Pride Parade on Sunday. Securing acceptance, safety, equal rights for all citizens in Vancouver. Regrettably, our progress here sometimes stands in sharp contrast to events and government actions in other cities and countries, including the United States of America right now. Global BC will have a float in the Pride Parade, which starts Sunday at noon, starting from Robson and Butte. We hope to see you along the route somewhere on Sunday. should be a lot of fun. You got your dancing shoes ready? I do. I do. I'm ready to go. I'll be wearing a suit. <laughs> it might be a bit warm. You can wear shorts. Playland comes up with a publicity stunt so good, it's frightening. One, two, three, four. The world's first scream choir and what it took to pull it off. And one final word from the former premier, Christy Clark, in an exclusive interview with Keith Baldry on why she's leaving public life. One, two, three. I'm the choir master for the Playland Scream Choir. Nice. It all starts with rehearsal. You get out of it what you put into it. One, two, three, four. The world's first scream choir performs at Playland, and it's a screaming masterpiece. Okay, it's really a tongue-in-cheek promotional video for the park, but the auditions for this choir were real. It's hoped this will inspire more people to visit Playland and test out their own screaming abilities. The full video, quite entertaining. You might need earplugs for it, but you can watch it on our website, globalnews.ca slash bc. There's a a Spinal Tap-esque quality to it that makes it very entertaining. (laughs) All right. It's hard to listen to. It is. It is. All right. Uh, hey, this is hard to hear. A scam that keeps showing up because it works. And unfortunately, con artists are preying once again on the vulnerable. 
Our consumer reporter Andrew is here with the court date con that might appear in your inbox. And what's this one about? Well, it first appeared around 2013, but now it's back in full force. Thanks, you too. The notice to appear scam is like many others, playing on our fears and potentially stealing our personal information. Here's how the notice to appear scam works. It's intended as I mentioned, to scare you into thinking you've been summoned to court, there will usually be a very official-looking notice, often with the court documents attached in the form of a zip file. But these, of course, are not court documents. Within that zip file, you will have some malware, which could infect your computer, with perhaps a keylogger, which would look for usernames and passwords you would use regularly on your computer. Fraudsters could also gain access to your credit card number or bank account information. This type of email could also contain ransomware, which could lock up your computer. So the motivations for these scams are purely monetary. They are getting you to open up this malware, which will infect your computer, to extort money out of you one way or another, or to steal your identity and passwords and access other accounts of yours online. First thing you want to do is stop and think. Never be rushed into some sort of hasty action because of any fear that's been put into you. Uh, The second thing is to just delete it because you will never get a notice to appear or a summons by email. Lastly, uh, it's always a good idea to have some sort of uh, antivirus software, anti-malware software installed on your computer. So even if you did accidentally click on it, you would have a better chance of being protected. Now, these scams are getting more sophisticated because they keep appearing over time in different formats. The templates the fraudsters are using could also be eviction notices and warrants to appear. Again, if you are unsure, don't open the email, don't reply, and don't click on any links. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Excellent advice, as always. Thanks very much, Ann. Well, days after she stunned her party by abruptly resigning as liberal leader, Christy Clark faced reporters today telling them she is done with politics. And before she addressed the media, the former premier first sat down with our Keith Baldry, where she revealed for the first time how she came to that decision. In your own mind, when did you first come to the realization it was time to resign? Uh, election night was the first time. Well, not realization. Like, it was the first time I thought about it. And I went to the caucus and I said, listen do you guys want me to stay? And they said they did. And then when the lieutenant governor called on John Horgan to form the government instead of calling an election, I was, I was at that night, I was sitting in Victoria, and um, I said to the few people that were there, Mike DeYoung, and, and I said, look, I'm going to go out and I'm going to announce I'm, I'm going to resign. <laughs> and they all said, don't do it. It's chaos. So I've been kind of thinking about it for a long time. And there's, you know, it, the timing is everything. Mm-hmm. You got to know when it's time to go. But, you know, caucus wanted me to stay. And, you know, when I was up in Penticton, I said to them, look, I'm going to take the time to decide whether or not I want to stay on. And um, they all, every single person in the room got up and said they wanted me to stay. But, you know, I've been looking at them for six years, you know, and looking them in the eyes. And um, I could just, I could just tell it was time for me to go. And even if they, maybe they all didn't know that, I think it was, I knew. I knew. You want to make sure you set the timetable here mm-hmm. for what happens to you. Was that part of the decision making here? You go out on your own terms? I think so. And I think if a leader gets to go out on his or her own terms, which, by the way, almost never gets to happen, um, it means you leave your party in a better spot, too. You know? Mm-hmm. But for me, six and a half years as premier, I mean, it was almost seven years ago that I decided to run for leader. 
I feel proud of what we've done. You know, I feel really good about that. And so I thought, well, I want to leave at a time when the party can renew, when we have a chance to do a leadership without, you know, imperiling an election. And, you know, time is good for me. Hamish starts grade 11 in September. Any other political aspirations? No, no. You're done with politics? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess so. I, <laughs> it's one of those questions, you know, it's like, um, I can't see myself doing it again. Back to the media? Do you feel like you're making people's lives better, Keith? <laughs> <laughs> at times, at times, at times not. <laughs> um, no, I don't see myself getting back into the media, I don't think. Are you going to back anybody for the leader? No, no. You'll stay out of it? I'm done. All right, well, best of luck. Thank you, Keith. Yeah. Keith makes our lives better, so. He does. <laughs> He does. <laughs> All right. Good dude. <laughs> Just like that, Anthony Scaramucci is gone. Why it took only 10 days for President Trump to fire his new communications director. And take it one step at a time where the world's longest pedestrian suspension bridge has just opened. An explosion of violence marring Election Day in Venezuela. Ten people killed as anti-government protesters clashed with police after Sunday's controversial vote. Electoral authorities claim more than 8 million people voted for a constitutional assembly giving President Nicolas Maduro's ruling Socialist Party virtually unlimited powers. But many polling stations were empty and more than 70% of Venezuela was against the vote. After being appointed just 10 days ago, Anthony Scaramucci is already out as President Trump's communications director. The White House shakeup comes on the same day John Kelly takes charge as new chief of staff, reining in an administration that always seems embroiled in controversy. Today, the retired general reorganizing his ranks, with new chief of staff John Kelly pushing out controversial communications director Anthony Scaramucci, according to sources familiar with the move. It comes not long after Scaramucci, originally praised by the president, targeted White House staff with a profanity-laced rant in The New Yorker, one so vulgar it's not repeatable here. The president certainly felt uh, that Anthony's comments were inappropriate for a person in that position, um, and he didn't want to burden General Kelly uh, also with that line of succession. The White House publicly says Scaramucci, spotted in the Oval Office just this morning, wanted Kelly to have a clean slate. Privately, it's a clear message to staff. There's a new chief in town. Embraced? We just swore in General Kelly. He will do a spectacular job. And empowered. General Kelly will go down in terms of the position of chief of staff, one of the great ever. For the West Wing, a new era with a new manager, but ultimately the same boss. One who's insisting today there's no White House chaos after himself creating some. President Trump hiring Scaramucci in the first place over the objections of some advisors, which set off a domino effect. Press Secretary Sean Spicer leaving, followed by former Chief of Staff Reince Priebus. While the warring factions in the White House appear to be giving Kelly some running room, the battles internally give Kelly a clear mission. General Kelly is going to bring the type of discipline. He will bring some order and discipline. Protocol, pecking order, order, discipline. Andy Card served as chief of staff under President George W. Bush. Removing Anthony uh, Scaramucci, I think, demonstrates 
candidly and forcefully to everyone that the chief of staff means business in terms of trying to bring discipline to the White House to help the president accomplish the agenda. Award-winning playwright, actor, and author Sam Shepard has died. Family spokesperson says Shepard passed away Thursday at his home in Kentucky from complications related to ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Shepard wrote more than 40 plays and won the Pulitzer Prize for Buried Child back in 1979. He was also a familiar face in many films, including Steel Magnolias, Days of Heaven, Mud, and The Right Stuff. Shepard was 73 years old. In health news this evening, new research predicts air pollution worsened by climate change will likely cost tens of thousands of lives if changes are not made. The study, published in Nature Climate Change, estimates 60,000 people could die of air pollution-related illnesses in 2030 if climate change is not slowed down. By 2100, that number could jump to 260,000. Researchers at the University of North Carolina looked at several climate models in the most comprehensive study to date on how climate change will affect our health. The lure of buried treasure. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. Why the man behind the hidden fortune refuses to call off the hunt despite some dangerous risks. And party like it's 1994. The Commonwealth Games relay goes through Victoria, with many hoping the city will get another chance to host the games again. It'll take you a while to cross this suspension bridge. How long it is and where you'll find it, right after we check in with meteorologist Yvonne Schell. Let's check in with her right now because uh, hot and dry is in the forecast. It doesn't seem to be getting any better for people up in the caribou. Yeah, we're not seeing any reprieve, not tracking any precipitation, and we'll talk about the temperatures uh, potentially record-breaking over the next few days. First off, though, it is stunning out there, a picturesque as we take a look at our tower cam shot. High-level cloud with temperatures at 24 degrees, and we've got a northwesterly wind right now at 20 kilometers per hour. High today, topping out at 24, still takes us to the average for this time of year, but this number is only increasing as we get in towards the next two to three days. We've got a ridge of high pressure that is in place and that's the dominant feature but we're also tracking some outflow winds potentially tomorrow morning that's why we've got a special air quality advisor in effect for metro vancouver and the fraser valley where we could see some of that local smoke pushing in from the interior for us across metro vancouver we've talked about the temperatures and here's where we could see some of the record-breaking heat likely peaking for both wednesday thursday and this is just taking for abbotsford so inland sections will be the area of concern but many areas even close to the water will see the humidex soar over the next few days and a slight reprieve as we look ahead towards the weekend but it is going to get very hot starting tomorrow and then peaking for our Wednesday Thursday. A snapshot for the northern half of the province also seeing dry conditions. A few clouds for areas near the water and coastal sections tomorrow with Prince Rupert at 20 degrees. Sunny and dry inland tomorrow at 26 degrees and much of the central interior we're going to still see that widespread smoke and temperatures mostly into the low 30s for the interior tomorrow with Kelowna climbing up to 33 degrees. Whistler at 33, but we are going to see the peak of the heat on Wednesday, Thursday. The potential is there for the mid and upper 30s for many areas inland across the island, also included with a special weather statement. 27 for Victoria tomorrow. Closer to the water will be at 22 degrees and areas near Tofino at 26. We do have some cloud cover early tomorrow morning for areas near Port Hardy and then more breaks as we get in towards the afternoon. Here's the range in temperatures. Wednesday, 30, Thursday highs of 29 
and 30 inland. That's we'll be watching some of the temperatures. The Humidex for the Fraser Valley tomorrow will be feeling closer to 36 degrees. A couple of birthdays announcements this evening. A big one. A happy 106th birthday to Isabel Holt from East Vancouver, who celebrated her birthday yesterday. So belated birthday to you. And Grace Hines from Maple Ridge, 100th birthday today. So congratulations. Tonight's weather window is from Joy Adams, who took this at Harrop Creek Wildfire. It was taken last night. It shows Cootley Lake from the Nels- from Nelson's North Shore looking towards Balfour, BC. And just a hint of green from the faint northern lights is also shown in the distance. Guys? Great okay. shot. Thanks, Yvonne. Attention, thrill seekers. Switzerland is now home to the longest pedestrian suspension bridge in the world. The bridge, nestled in the heart of the Swiss Alps, connects the hiking trails between two towns. And it's quite the hike, spanning the length of five football fields, or nearly 500 meters. If you can take it, the crossing offers stunning panoramic alpine views. The highest point stands almost 300 feet, or more than 90 meters above the ground. Great view. Squire would never do it. Am I right? Yeah, I went, I went about one quarter of the way out to the Capilano Suspension Bridge. Yeah. And thought, you know what? I don't really need to get to the other side. <laughs> it's not that important anymore. Uh, it's not that important anymore. Wow. I'll just stay back here. Are you okay with heights? I'm totally fine with heights. Oh, yeah. That's you right. guys? Yeah, that. we've done heights. Yeah. I'd like that. That'd be beautiful. Yeah. Squire will tell you all about it. Yeah, you take some photos. Take pictures. Take pictures, please. Yeah. I like things closer to the ground. Uh, <laughs> which, as I said before, I hate heights. That's why I'm only five foot seven. Um, so, one thing about Russell Wilson and the Seahawks it's always sunny in Seattle. Everybody gets super excited now every, every year. What are the reasons for all of the optimism at camp? We'll tell you. And speaking of optimism, the search for buried treasure. Unfortunately, it's turned fatal. Why so many are willing to risk their lives, guided only by clues in a poem. Ah, right. oh, the boys of summer. Not all, no, not all the news is on the diamond, it sounds like, at this time of year. Oh, yes, it's very much off the diamond. Because today was trade deadline day. Although you can trade after trade deadline day, but you got waivers. It's a whole thing I have to explain. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Don't do it. You uh, Darvish is going to pitch for the Dodgers now. Sonny Gray went to the Yankees. The Jays made a couple of moves. Reliever Joe Smith to Cleveland for a couple of prospects. And they sent starting pitcher Francesco Liriano to Houston for Nori Aoki and a minor league outfielder named Teoscar Hernandez, who instantly becomes a top five prospect for Toronto. Now, Liriano was a starting pitcher with the Jays, but the Astros are going to use him as a reliever instead. He was struggling as a starter this year. As for Aoki, he is one of those guys who seems to be in a different team every year. 35 years old, so he's now a spare part, but he does give Toronto a veteran outfielder he can fill in during injuries, and who knows what could happen down the road. You might see more of Aoki in the Jays' outfield. He's not playing tonight, though. Marco Estrada and Toronto are in Chicago to face the White Sox. The Jays are going to need a big run to get back in a playoff situation. This will help. Oh, Adam Engel against the wall. Josh Donaldson clears the wall. Engel runs into the wall. He's okay, though. Toronto leads 3-0 in the fifth on Chicago. Okay, today a wrong was righted in a rather unexpected way by the Chicago Cubs. But first, we have to go back in time. Because in 2003, a man nobody had ever heard of became infamous against his will. Steve Bartman reached out for a foul ball at Game 6 of the NLCS series between the Cubs and the Marlins. Instead of catching the ball, he caught the misdirected frustration of Cubs fans watching another playoff series slip away from them. 
It was natural to think a foul ball down the line was uncatchable for an outfielder, but Chicago's Moises Alou might have got it and moved the Cubs within four outs of a World Series berth. As it turned out, Chicago not only lost this game, but Game 7 as well, and Bartman became the target of abuse to the point where he went off the grid. Until today, when the Cubs announced they would give him a World Series ring as closure for a moment the team always felt bad about. And this is what Steve Bartman got, the same kind of ring a player or Cubs employee would get with his name on it. Bartman himself said, I don't deserve it, but he's eternally grateful for what the Cubs have done for him. And maybe one day he'll go back to Wrigley and watch a game and perhaps, I think, actually, the fans would honor him for doing so. Seattle Seahawks training camp is underway, and once again, the Hawks are considered playoff material. They should make it as a division titleist. Um, defensively, the Legion of Boom is still intact. Richard Sherman was not traded, despite all the rumors he was being shopped around earlier in the summer. It is getting older, the Seahawks defense, but if they stay healthy, they should still be one of the best in the league. They upgraded special teams in the offseason, and they hope they have done the same for the offense, which is what makes all the 12s quite happy and, as you can see, the players as well. One thing about the Seahawks under Pete Carroll, there is never a shortage of optimism. Uh, it's a very, very deep core group. Um, it's going to be very competitive, but we're really excited. I think back to 2012 when I first got here and experienced in training camp and the energy, and it just keeps getting more and more. Despite outward appearances, the Seahawks do have concerns about their offense. It finished 18th in points scored last year. They shored up the offensive line in free agency with the signing of Luke Jokel from Jacksonville, a former number two overall pick who did have some knee issues in 2016. Came out here knowing his stuff. He's right, right uh, in position to be a starter for us. We'll see uh, how that works out. Um, we think he could start at guard or tackle, and um, that's a great asset for us. Another possible asset for the Seahawks offense is running back Eddie Lacy providing he can keep on winning his own personal battle of the bulge. He has bonuses built in his contract to keep his weight under 250. He got his work done. Uh, he looks he looks good. Um, I'm really happy with uh, that he made it through all of the work to get to this point and he's ready to go. So we'll take it one day at a time, uh, but um, really good first impression coming back for our first camp with him. Well, no offense to Travis Green or Willie Desjardins, the Canucks, though, did have a good coach for rebuilding a hockey team in John Tortorella. But, of course, they let him go after one year. His five-year contract was picked up by Columbus. He won Coach of the Year this past June. And today he was given a one-year contract extension, meaning he signed up with the Blue Jackets for the coming season and 2018-19 as well. Canada Summer Games. BC finally won some medals. That's the uh, women's triathlon. Desiree Ridenour of Cowich and Bay won gold. Hannah Henry of Victoria finished right behind her for the silver. In the men's race, Michael Millich of Delta finished second. He was 21 seconds behind the winner from Quebec. BC has three medals, all from the triathletes I just showed you. Ontario has the most right now with nine. There you go.
Thank you very much, Squire. Right, welcome. Time to check in with Andrew and now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And Thanks, Sophie. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is in Surrey tonight for a $1,000 per plate fundraiser. We'll find out what he had to say. Also ahead, a close call in the waters off Seattle. A pilot was forced to bring down his Cessna around 1 o'clock this afternoon. Both men inside the plane managed to make it safely to dry land. We'll tell you how officials are now planning to remove the aircraft. We'll have that story and more when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. All right, great. Thank you, Ann. Inspiration for more than 100 young athletes in Victoria today as the Queen's Baton Relay rolled through ahead of the 2018 Gold Coast Games, the Commonwealth Games in Australia. As Nitu Garcha reports, the capital city is still confident its bid to host more than 4,000 Commonwealth athletes in 2022 will be a success. Go! Remember, you can, you can toss it if you want. You don't have to sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. The seed is planted early. You've got to trust your brain and your instincts. More than 100 kids, many growing a love for sport. Because it's fun. It's camp day on the lawn of Government House in Victoria, the final destination for a ride that began at City Hall. That's where Victoria Mayor Lisa Helps takes off for her stretch in what is the longest relay in games history, spanning 388 days and stopping in all 70 Commonwealth countries. The Queen's Baton Relay happens every four years, generating excitement for the 2018 Commonwealth Games in Australia. Victoria hosted the games back in 1994, and there's a good chance the city could get them again in 2022. We're going pretty well. Um, We're the only Canadian city now. Uh, which is a big advantage because it's Canada's turn to get the games. But bid committee chairman David Black says hosting the games won't come without jumping some big, expensive hurdles. Well, the games are twice as big now as they were in 94, and many of our venues have to change. Uh, they want a lot more seats inside uh, for the various events, and of course the village has to be twice as big. On top of that, the bid process has been fast-tracked. Durban was originally selected, but the African city ran out of money. Now it's Victoria versus cities in Australia, Malaysia and England. Organizers say across the Commonwealth there are 2.4 billion people, and they say about half of them are under the age of 25. And that's one reason why inspiring young people like these kids behind me is an important part of the Commonwealth Games. It really is a moment to inspire these young children to greatness. As the capital city's bid committee remains in the dark until the end of November, the Queen's Baton Relay is helping young athletes build a bright future. Need to Garcha, Global News, Victoria. Up next, a treasure hunt too tempting to pass up despite potentially deadly consequences. It's supposed to be hidden somewhere in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado. The hunt for a treasure chest containing millions in gold has already proven deadly twice. And now possibly a third victim. And there are fears there could be more. But the man behind the fortune has no plans to stop the treasure hunt. Where rapids cascade below the Colorado Rockies, a grim discovery. An unidentified body washed down river. Friends and family fear it's 31-year-old Eric Ashby, who moved to Colorado to find a $2 million treasure hidden somewhere in the Southwest. I fully believe with all my heart he was looking for the treasure um, and uh, met his fate that day. If Ashby's death is indeed linked to the treasure hunt, he wouldn't be the first to risk his life in search of fortune. Let's go find the treasure. 
For the last seven years, hundreds of thousands of adventure seekers searched for a treasure chest of gold coins and jewels, the only clues in a poem. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. Famed art collector Forrest Fenn says he hid his wealth to inspire others to explore the great outdoors, spreading the word through his memoir, The Thrill of the Chase. Last year, treasure hunter Randy Bellew was found dead in New Mexico's backcountry. Then last month, the body of Pastor Paris Wallace was recovered outside Santa Fe. Authorities asked Fenn to call off the hunt. People uh, start to make uh, uh, decisions that aren't based in, in good sound judgment when it comes to money. But tonight, the search for gold is still on. And Ben insists the fortune is not hidden anywhere yes. dangerous. After all, he says, the real treasure is in the hunt. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. I don't know about nowhere dangerous. Isn't it like 43 degrees <laughs> Fahrenheit or Celsius down there? That would be enough to sort of veer people off trail, I think, uh, I just think due so. to the heat. It's going to feel like that uh, in parts of B.C. coming Yeah, through. so special weather statement still in effect and really the peak of the heat.